Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. I'm your host, Woodzik, and my pronouns are they, them, and theirs. This is episode 145 with Miguel Angelo, and this is just... I'm going to get into his bio shortly, but just... I'm recording this piece, this episode of the podcast. You know, we record it a bit before it goes out to your ears, and this is happening just a couple a couple days after the um the shooting in Colorado Springs and there's just something very beautiful in immersing yourself in 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 and learning about a new queer artist and amplifying their work and and trying to be in that place of celebrating joy and celebrating all the queer brilliance that that we do have in this country and that shines brightly um and it I it was a delight. It was a delight. This interview easily could have gone on two or three times longer than it did. Miguel is amazing. So let me tell you more about him. He is a Venezuelan-American singer-songwriter, multidisciplinary performing artist and contratenor, dancer, actor, and painter. His work explores the intersections of his queer, Latino, and immigrant identities using music, physical theater, dance, text, and costume. As a theater creator, he has been awarded residencies to develop new works at Mass Mocha, the Kimmel Center, the Miami Light Project, and beyond. English with an Accent is an original musical production of dance theater helmed by Miguel and a company of ten dancers. These performances at Lincoln Center's Clark Studio Theater, running December 1st through the 3rd, which celebrate the project's album release, follow an immigrant caterpillar's arrival in New York City with hopes of becoming a butterfly. English with an accent explores the attainability of the American dream through freedom, safety, and self-worth. Those themes. English with an accent, the album, will be released on December 2nd. The Theatrical Mustang podcast features interviews with unbridled talent and cultural trailblazers across the country. This reboot is distributed by American Theatre. Episodes 1 through 138 are archived at theatricalmustang.podbean.com. And now, enjoy episode 145 with Miguel Angelo. Alright, I am thrilled to welcome multidisciplinary artist and just rock star who I'm falling in love with just reading about him online. Miguel Angelo, welcome to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. Well, thank you so much and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's dig right in. Um, English okay. with an accent. Your autobiographical show is going to be playing at Lincoln Center December 1st through the 3rd. Where did this show come from and who is the show for? Well, the idea basically, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, I, I just want to make an album in English because I was always um, wanted to sing English and I was would love to be in New York City. Uh, it's basically an autobiography about myself, but I can be any person in the world, uh, any immigrant, no, even some person that can come to the another country, to other country, could be a person that, for example, because for me, if you're born in Kansas City, and you move to New York, you become an immigrant in your own country because it's not your city where you're born. 
So, and then when I was, uh, before the pandemic, I was recording an album and then like uh, the, the first or second week, I start the pandemic. And then I say to Jaime Lozano, my mi pana, my musical director and arrangement, a co-writer from the songs for the album. We say, okay, you know, we wait for the pandemic ended, maybe one week or <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> yeah, right. And then, you know, but and then you, during the pandemic, I, you know, I saw the, the songs and I saw the list of the song and I said, you know what, if I change the, the orders of the songs, if I write more songs, this could be completely a story, like, a, you know, like a, a show. So, and before I have a background in dance, I did ballet dance, ballet dancers, but I'm sorry, I did ballet for 13 years when I was younger. Wow. And then I say, you know what? I really love dance theater because uh, you can express just your emotion just with, the, with your body, but I, I want to do something different. So I say, you know what? I want to write a, a story about an immigration story uh, about an immigrant that came to New York City because he feel or she feel that New York City is a safe place to live, but through the eyes of the caterpillar. So we are in the stage, we are kind of humans and insects. It's like two worlds in one. Mm. And I dance with 10 wonderful, spectacular dancers. And we, all of us, we, we, we do, or we make the same character. So it's like, a, I am the mirror of them and they are my mirror. So, and this is how English with an accent came to life. I, I love this. I, I don't know if a lot of our listeners know, but both my undergrad and, and grad school work was in somatics and movement as well as, you know, traditional text and stuff. And I think if we can dig deeper into what you were saying, physical theater, dance theater allows us to express emotion in sort of a more immediate way. And would you say that perhaps that can transcend mm -hmm. different ways of knowing or coming to theater or language almost? Yes, because if, for example, when we go the uh, when we go to the to see the ballet, you know the Nutcracker or Romeo and Juliet, right? Uh, Giselle, this one leg is that nobody nobody talks, and you understand everything. Right. But and then in this case in dance theater, I say you know what? Every people mostly all the the dance theater pieces that you only dance, you can hear the tracks or somebody singing on the track or sometimes somebody came to sing a song but and then I said you know what I'm gonna wrote 13 songs and I'm going to dance those 13 songs in one hour five minutes and I'm gonna sing and live those songs so it's like a kind of dance theater concert piece so um it's very exhausted but it's <laughs> happily happily wonderful exhausted uh, moment because it's so good, you know. Every, every time, even right now, when we're rehearsing, we are like, oh, I'm gonna die in two hours, you know. But it's it's so good because uh, uh, the I think the message people's gonna get it. We can let everything behind, you know, your loved ones, your family, culture, and uh, just to become to learn and become another person to another uh, another country. But I, I think people are going to see that. Well, I love the parallel that you made. You know, if you're, you grew up in Kansas and moved to Seattle, right? You're, you're in a new, you're in a new landscape. You're finding your way there as well. Exactly. But, you know, the cultural changes may not be as, as, as dramatic or, mm -hmm. or maybe they are. I mean, I, at the beginning of the pandemic, 
moved to a fairly liberal area of the country to a fairly, well, a very conservative rural part of the country. And uh, the culture shock is real. So I would love for you to talk to me about how you assembled the team to create this piece. What were you looking for in collaborators? Well, you know, basically um, we did auditions for, uh, for the dancers. And I seriously, we saw so many great, wonderful, wonderful artists. But when I, I wrote the piece, I always know, but I, I really like to, to see like a, an ensemble that everyone is different, I like physically um, talking, because I want to see that we are for different, different ethnias or different countries. So I'm so happy that I were casting, I were 10 dancers there around the world. Actually, I think 80% they are immigrants. So they oh, wow. live here, they, and I'm so excited. So, and the collaboration is basically uh, mostly with Jaime, uh, my, my, me, my musical director that I said before, he's from Mexico City. So we have like, a, you know, similarities, you know, about being an immigrant and the, our love to, to, to create art. So, but basically when I work with somebody or collaborating with somebody, I always like, I'm, for me, okay, if you're talented, it's great. But for me, it's a plus when that person is talented, but is more like an incredible human, like mm. sweet, with no, with no egos. Because, you know, in, in this profession and in our profession, you can find great, 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 wonderful artists, but great, great egos. And for me, I, I don't like that because... I love what I, when I work in arts to be um, uh, dancing or singing or acting or when I do uh, my paintings because I'm a painter as well. I like to be involved with people with good hearts. I can't work with uh, bad energy or negative energy because and then it's, it's not joyful. And for me, art is joy. So when I create art, it needs to be an environment completely of joy. And so far, it's the teams, seems for the producers, free, um, even even Mab, you know, there is a guy, the, the wonderful person that helped me, you know, to do all those interviews. He's been so sweet, so amazing. The, the people that do the media in London, uh, the producers, the writers, the then what's it called, the lighting designer, the costume designer. All of us, when we see each other, we hug each other, we, we laugh each other. So it's, it's beautiful. I love to create with, with good energy. I think, I mean, so much of what you're saying resonates with me hard. I, I agree completely. I would always rather have that joyful person who I just want to hug every time I come into the rehearsal room um, instead of that ego yeah. in the rehearsal room can just really make, make my back cares bristle. That, it's, that's a way to say that. <laughs> Yeah, because basically, you know, you went to to be with those group of people, like mostly them, uh, like t- eight hours a day or ten hours a day. So it's gonna be need to be nice, and they became your family, your artistic family. So come on, so everything needs to be beautiful and, and nice because it's not the world isn't gonna go through. So you don't gonna feel the world, the work that you're doing. Right. Absolutely. Can you talk to me a bit about the album release um, and what 
you think folks will take away from just the audio experience of the music versus coming to see the show in its entirety? Yeah, actually, um, the, the album, I'm so excited because, you know, I've been waiting for this album since I remember myself, because like I said in the beginning, I always like to sing in English. Because, you know, I would grow up, uh, listen to um, Freddie Mercury, and the Lopper, Madonna, Michael Jackson, uh, you know, all those people, the Rolling Stones. And, and I, I always like, I want to sing in English. Of course, they're going to have an accent. And that, that is the reason why I, I put in the name of the album, English with an accent, before people say, oh, but I can have an accent. Hello, I told you already in the album, I have an accent. <laughs> so, exactly. So it's like you say, oh, this is, this is chocolate cake. Hello, you don't see chocolate cake? You don't read it? So it's going to taste chocolate, you know? And then, yeah. exactly. So, and the album is basically when the people come to see the show, they're going to hear exactly the same in the album. But with one exception, in the show, it's a lot of organic um, sounds that sometimes we, we put uh, up for acting, you know, and they, that, those sounds, they're not in the album. It's just, it's, it's just an experience for the audience come to see the show. Mm. But the songs, they're all the same. 13 songs. I wrote all the songs. My friend Jaime helped me to write, I think, maybe three or four. But he did extraordinary arrangements. I told Jaime, I want this, I want this, I want this. And he catched me like this. Like, he knows what I want. Because, um, like I say, it's, it's like he knows me. It's like my family. So he knows what I want. So, and then the album, I'm very proud of the album. The album is kind of... Uh, I don't know if I can have a word to say. I think the album is a mutant. <laughs> because it's like, you know, like, a, I don't know. It's like a hybrid with a lot of sounds and, and, and rhythms. I yeah. think people's going to like it a lot. It's, it sounds so exciting to me. Um, what's your songwriting process like? Does inspiration come to you in a flood or is it something that you work out little by little? It's, listen, it's, it's, I think, nothing, and it's, it's, it's about the moment. For example, right now what happened with you, uh, people don't say no, but uh, before this interview, you and me, we were talking, and then we have problems with the audios, you know, the computer, and right away I can write a song called Delayed, you know, like Delayed, right. Delayed, and, it, and for that moment, can, I can write a song. So, and bas- but I basically... I think 95% of my music or my songs, uh, uh, my melodies came when I am sleeping. And then I wake up, I can wake up in the middle of the night or in the morning and I remember everything, the lyrics and melody, and then right away I write the song. But it, it's, it's about life, you know. Uh, I get inspired for everything. It's a song in their albums called Only New York. When I, when I, when I say that I love to watch rats play with the trash in the subway. So, and because basically it's funny. I love so, watching the rats, ha- the little animal carrying a huge cartoon uh, pizza box. Right. Like 10 times bigger than her. And she can't, uh, she can or he can uh, carry that pizza. And I'm like, come on, girl. So, <laughs> like, and I love that. And I write that in the song. So um, everything inspired me. Life inspired me. You know, even if it can be a, a sad moment or, or, or happy moment, 
a moment they like what they affect me or they inspire me. Everything for me is inspiration. I love that. I love that because one could look at a rat and could just say you, or one could find inspiration in that, right? Like there's two different lenses yeah. for looking at, looking at the world. Exactly. And you know what? It's like, a, ooh, say like, a, ooh, it wrote. I say, hello, they are here before us. You know, the animals, they are here before us. So it's a, it's a creature, the, the, the creature, the thing, the move, they have a life. So for me, even a, a dirty New York rat is inspired. <laughs> I love it. Can you talk me through, so is the, is the publicity, is the artwork for the show the same artwork for the album? Yes, it's exactly. Um, that image only, is so and, striking to me, and we'll have it um, in the episode description, but uh, to try to describe it, there's a, an orange background, there's a huge mm-hmm. white foot that's barefoot, and yes. um, is that a depiction of you underneath the foot? Yes. It's, it's me, like I try to, as a caterpillar, right. because trying to, trying to survive, you know, in New York, but I get stepped by a big white foot. So, and then even that happened, I said, you know what, you want to try to step me, you want to, you, to put your step over me, you can do it, but you're not going to kill me. I'm going to survive. I'm going to go through this. And this is basically what is like the cover of the album. It reminds me of so many different visual influences. So I'm excited for folks not only to listen to this, but to look at um, not only the production stills, but the um, album and and show art for this. Um, what would you tell someone who is on the fence about going to the show? Who's like this? This all sounds like really cool, but I'm not sure like if it's if it's for me. If they're if they're hesitating a little bit, how would you compel them to come? Well. Um... First of all, I, they, when they come to see, first of all, they need to love dance because it's a lot of dance and a lot of music. But besides that, you're going to find out uh, a story. And it's part of the story they, in the show that is so cool, but it's in, in one point, it's turning very dark. That is basically, um, it's true. The, everything what happened in the show happened to me. And I tell them uh, to the audience in, in, in the with the character, but everything what happened in the show, all that happened, what I say in the songs is everything is real. So people just need, I don't, but I love uh, to show even with, you know, the wonderful director, Abby Iham from Israel and the associate director, Jason Carr, uh, Jacob Carr, and he's, um, they're amazing. So they have the vision when I told them, this is what I want. I want the people to feel uncomfortable. I want the people to feel happy. It's like a roller coaster. And I think they did a great job. I thought the audience, when I found that, like, a, you wanna, when you come to the show to sing this as an acting, you're going to find yourself with a lot of emotion going up, down. But in the end, you're going to understand and why when a person has an accent, what that mean when a somebody talk to you with other accent. It's not your enemy. It's, it's another person that tried to survive in this, in this new land. It's basically what is English with an accent. It, and this is what I, the, the audience is going to uh, see on the stage. But if, for a reference, if you like, uh, I love Tim Burton. 
So I told the design, the lighter designer that I will love the people see, they're going to see a Tim Burton movie on a stage. So the light is like that. It's very dark, but very poetic. Mm, I love that. I, in, in learning more about you today, I, some of the, the ways in people, the way that people describe you and compare you to other artists, I was really struck by the comparison to Buster Keaton or silent film. And I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit about how people have brought these different references to you of, of who you remind them of and how that makes you feel. You know what? It's um, Yeah, I heard that before. And even they say that, uh, that I look like a Mark Anthony or remind <laughs> me like, like Klaus Nami or yeah. uh, or not. Uh, you know what? I think it's beautiful that they try to... Um, to, to do those comparisons or those, you know, to compare me to those people, because first of all, they are, they were, or they are great artists, but I think uh, for me, it's like, a, whoa, thank you. But I am Miguel. I am completely different. Right. You know, like uh, I, I love so much, you know, hear so much the voices of Mark Anthony uh, or even like I say, like a Klaus Nomi or David Bowie. Um, but they are unique. I can't, can never be like those, like those guys. You know, it, it's, thank you so much for the comparison, but I can never be like them. They are them and I am me. You know, Absolutely. all of us, we are so unique. Absolutely. One of the things that made my heart very happy in, in learning, learning about you for this interview today is that, is it true that you learned English by watching the Golden Girls? Yes. <laughs> Can we just talk about that for yeah. a little bit? Because that, of course, was a when beautiful I here, sentence to I, read. Yeah, when I came here, you know, like 16 years ago, I was came. To, uh, I, I live in Miami, and I met there uh, my first boyfriend here in this country. Um, his name is Oliver. Uh, I hope he's okay, whatever he is. I don't know because <laughs> we don't we. I tried to contact him, or after we broke up, and he said, "I don't be. I'm not friend with my ex boyfriends." I said, "Okay, bye." So anyway, so and and then he brought me to Provincetown and because he was the manager for a, for a, a hotel in Provincetown during the summer. And I say, well, but uh, how you want me to be in Provincetown? I wanted you work with me in the hotel. I say, what wanted you to do in the hotel? He said, well, you can be like housekeeper in the beginning. And then maybe if you learn English, you can be in the front desk. I said, okay, because basically my English was like Tarzan, like me, ba, you, mama, coffee, you know? Yeah. So, and then, and then when I went to Provincetown, I was cleaning rooms and, and doing, you know, the, all the laundry for the hotel. Basically, I was listening and watching and listening. And until today, every night, I going, when I go into bed, I put the DVDs for the Golden Girls and Sophia. Blanche, Dorothy, and Rose, they are my English teachers. Every time, and you know what? It's funny, even because I have a collection, I have the DVDs, but every time when I see the show, even I, I see the same chapter one million times, I still laugh at So I think that show was amazing. Susan Harris, the, you know, the woman that produced or created the show, I think she was a genius, or she is a genius. Um, and I love the show. I completely the show one day I was I don't understand what they say and one day I start learning I say oh my god thanks to these four ladies I learned English so it's completely true 
I love it. That's amazing. So where, let's go back in time a little bit. Where does this passion for performance come from? Did you know from a very young age that this is something that you would be doing for the rest of your life? Yes. Actually, I, I, one person asked me that question. And I, I remember when I was uh, a baby, you know, and, you know, when I did in the school, the, the, your teacher asked you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you grow up? And, I, you know, I always, people say, I want a doctor. I want to be a policeman. I want to be an architect. And when they asked me, I say, I don't want to be anything. And then my teacher was, what do you mean when you don't want to be anything? You need to do to be something. I say, I don't want to be anything because I'm born as an artist. I am an artist. I'm a really born as an artist. My my mother, I grew up, you know, since I was a baby, my mother, she was a ballet dancer and my father was a mechanic and opera. Every time when he was fixing the cars, he was singing opera. We listened to Pavarotti, to Domingo. So, and I was, for me, it was amazing. I always knew since I was a baby, maybe four years old, that I want to be an actor, a singer, an actress. And then was a click, the, you know, like a kind of strike that happened to me when I saw The Sound of Music with Julie Andrews. I, I just want to be Julie Andrews. <laughs> yeah. I want to have a beautiful husband, like the, uh, a captain. I don't know if I want to have the seven children. <laughs> it's a lot. A lot of diapers. Right. But anyway, so, um, but when I, I saw that movie, I say, wow, that movie and Roger and Hammerstein opened all my horizon about art, about being a performer. So thanks to Julie Andrews and the Sound of Music, I became an artist. I, I love that story. I mean, I have a similar, I completely fell in love with the music man when I was a young kid and I wanted to be Harold Hill, right? Like I just- You see, thought, exactly. I mean, what, what could be better than that? Um, but I love, I mean, when I teach musical theater history, like a lot of folks don't know how progressive Rodgers and Hammerstein were. Like oh, back in the incredible. day, the stuff that they were writing, we sort of think of it maybe as older or dated now, but they were trying to get some pretty cool messages out about accepting people and, and, and things like that. Yeah. And how progressive they was that even if you, you know, like 50 years later or whatever, 60 years later, you go, you know, but even Roger Hammerstein, if you're going to, you know, to, to the opera, to the Met Opera, to go to see Aida, to Randot, you know, those, those operas are like 200 years. And if you're going today until today, you're still fascinated and like a wow, surprisingly amazed about those, the, the, the story. So those people were so behind, so, I'm sorry, so in front of us, they until after 200 years, we still listen to the stories. Isn't that for me? That is incredible. Absolutely. I, I remember remember reading this this biography about uh, Roger Hammerstein and how like people wouldn't even go to see Oklahoma. They would like, but they would pay a lot of money to get a ticket stub from Oklahoma so they could just like yeah. display it at their house. And it was like, yeah, no, I was there. I, I was totally there. So now that we've gone back to the past a little bit let's look into the future what's next for you i mean this is december looks like an incredibly amazing month for you but where do we go where do we go from there well um yeah i'm so excited for the lincoln center and in this in january i'm so happy and so grateful that i i have been invited 
to be part from Under the Radar Festival 2023 at the Public Theater. And I'm going to present Latin XOXO. It's, it's a play that I did before, but now uh, uh, I'm working as a, with the director, Alexander Lalea. Uh, it's that he just did a completely turn to the show. It's more personal now. It's more like more super deep. And then we're going to go, I think I'm going to be to Salt Lake City in March. Uh, I hopefully Chicago, uh, San Francisco, North Carolina, and hopefully even Europe. But, and I, because I always write in songs, I, I'm writing a new album. And it's going to be completely, completely in Spanish because I want to back again to, to sing in Spanish. Uh, because for me, Spanish is super um uh, the poetic, the, the, po the poetry in Spanish is so beautiful. So, and I've been creating stuff, but I, it's coming a lot of stuff. Even in the pandemic, I wrote uh, a musical that I'm going to, uh, it's called um, The Winning Hours. And, and it's about two sisters and a son. Uh, it's a musical only for three people. And I, I'm going to try to put it in there outside. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I, I already wrote the music, I already the compositions, I, I very good amazing friend, uh, Alvaro Granadillo from Venezuela. He do all the, the orchestration. So I have already everything for that, for that musical. So I want to put it out and we see what's going on. But it's going to be 2024 so far. Sounds super busy that I'm so excited. It's good. It's a good way to be in our industry, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, I love to be busy. Um, as our time is coming to an end here, can you... I would just love for you to talk a little bit about the difference in conveying emotion or telling a story when you're singing in English versus singing in Spanish. Do you think that you could take us out on some some thoughts about that? Well, um, the only difference is like I try um, the basic. I think the big difference is like I try to pronunciation pronunciation of the English words because I want the people to understand me. Right. But the feeling, the feeling is, is basically the same because I am the same person. You know, I'm the same person with the same heart, with the same feelings, with the same. It's just the, the, the voice, the, the, yeah, the, the different sound came from my mouth, you know. So it's when I sing, it's like when I sing in German or in French or in Italian, when I sing in opera. So they basically, when you know what you what are you telling the story, is 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 the same feeling. It's only a different language, but it's basically the pronunciation because I want the people to understand what I'm saying. So, but I think I do have very good. Would you be willing to? This is like we're at the very end now. Is there is there a certain lyric from the show that you could share with us at the end here that can maybe draw people into it? Oh, you mean like a uh, like a, a lyric for 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 a song? A lyric from one of your songs, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, well, it's a song in the in the show that the character feels completely lonely in New York um, because he tried to be part of a, a to a party or to a, a situation, and then he gets rejected from the group of people. So, and then he sings a song. That he's called the um, the wind, and then one of the lyrics is like, uh, and you see if I remember, like a, uh, oh my God, God. it's lovely, uh, 
Loveless leaves. I need to hear the music. What's that called? Yeah. I, I am standing here, drowning in dreams, here and waiting, along with my fears, downstairs, slowly falling. It's the daily routine. Frozen clouds painted by Vincent. I'm another unseen. This is one part of the song. Mm. I just my eyes are my eyes and my heart are full uh, listening to oh, you listening to you sing that. And we'll make sure to link to the um because you just released a video of that piece. Music this video. This song is piece. called The Wind. Yeah. So make sure that yeah. we link to that in our episode description. Miguel, this was, this was just truly amazing to talk to you about your work and your process. And I wish you just so many people buying the album, so many people coming to see the run December 1st through 3rd, um, and just sending so much love to you. Oh, thank you so much. It's really so amazing talking to you. You're so sweet. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Woodzik. This episode of the podcast was edited by C.J. Higgins and distributed by American Theatre Magazine. If you like what you heard, please like, share, and subscribe. Tune in each month for new interviews with artists and cultural trailblazers.